Welcome to No Sleep Till Pizza, a student ministry podcast that helps resource through biblical messages, reviews, interviews, and discussions that are all things student culture. So let's get right to it. Right? He thought he was awesome. So he's relieved that he wasn't going to be back in the kitchen for the rest of the summer, but he was going to be doing a bunch of this other different stuff. He was going to be doing different camp activities. He was going to be connecting with campers instead of just standing back there going, here, 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 right? Like he's excited. He's going to be doing all this other different stuff. And then he noticed that throughout the whole summer, the rest of the summer, that it was going to be all these second through eighth graders. He's like, this is awesome. And then as he's looking at the schedule, he notices there's one week that was kind of left blank. And he was looking at it, and he's like, whoa. And so he goes walking up to one of the leaders, and he's like, hey, look, this is all awesome, but like, what's this week? So oh, don't worry about it. It'll get taken care of. And he's like, no, like normally when people say that, that's not good. Like, I need to know what's going on. They're like, no, no, no. We'll catch you up when, when you need to know. And he's like, yeah, I need to know, like, what's going on? Well, eventually he finds out that's actually the week that all the high schoolers were going to be there. <laughs> and he's like, okay, no big deal. You know, I'll probably be back in the kitchen, whatever, right? Well, come to find out, um, they, they kept thinking he was doing such a good job, they put him in charge of a cabin. The very week, it was high school week. He's a freshman in high school, and he is now the leader of a cabin with a bunch of juniors and seniors. And he's going, this is what I was talking about. This is what I needed to know. This isn't okay. But it worked out really well. Why? Because my friend was six foot four as a freshman, okay? He was no small dude, all right? So here he is, he's six foot four as a freshman with a bunch of juniors and seniors, and you know what that joker did? He sold the fact to these other guys that he was actually older and more mature than they were. It was awesome. So the whole week, he is absolutely playing this front, this scheme that he was actually older than these other guys, he was more mature than they were, and he actually had the spiritual and physical authority over them. It was awesome right? So he gets done with that week. He's just geeked out. He's like, dude, it was awesome. Like I didn't get picked on once. Like I got to pick on everybody because I'm six foot four. Like it was awesome. And the seniors couldn't do nothing because they all thought I was in college. But it was awesome because that week at camp, he had to fake some very early onset adulting simply because he was taller and bigger than everyone else. Unfortunately, That is the way for many of us, we get to experience spiritual maturity in our church. If you've been here for a while, you're expected to act like you have it all together and actually fake your spiritual maturity for everyone else. But thankfully, this is not the example that Timothy shows us when it comes to adulting. So grab your Bibles, turn them over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. So as we get started here in 2 Timothy, remember, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. And this is all as Timothy is beginning his new role as the authority figure over a church that is filled with a bunch of adults 
that are not only physically older than him, but some of them may have even been spiritually older than him. So here we go. First, Tim, Second Timothy, I'm sorry. Second Timothy, chapter two, starting in verse one. I'm sorry, starting in verse two. Second Timothy two, starting in verse two. Here we go. And what have you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses? Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Man, I'm terrible. I told, chapter one, I was reading it that, I'm going, that doesn't sound right. No, it's chapter one. I'm sorry. Here we go. Start over. Whoop. Refresh. Second Timothy, chapter one, starting in verse two. Here we go. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Here's the verse I want you to pay attention to. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So as we get started and as we get to know more about Timothy and his past, we've already seen his passion for Christ as he has gone with Paul to go on these journeys to help start and develop these churches. We know Timothy has a passion for Christ. And now here in this letter, we see Paul point out something that is hard to come by in not only those days, but also these days today. And that word is sincerity. See, Paul says that Timothy has a sincere faith. You go, well, yeah. Think about that. What does having a sincere faith actually mean? What does that really look like? You know the people in your life who are sincere. These are people who don't just say that they can be trusted. They're the people who you know you can actually trust, right? It's one thing for somebody to go, oh yeah, man, hey, you need something, just let me know. Right? It's another thing that when you are actually going through something and you go to those people and those people are going, man, what do you need? You need the shirt off my back? You got it. Or whether it be the hard times or the good times, that they're right there standing with you. Man, and, and they're there. Like there's nothing that can shake them from you. Not in a weird, creepy way, right? Like not a stalker, that's weird. Those people don't trust them, okay? 
But like those friends that are just, they're there. You know no matter what is going on that they're going to be there. And this is what Paul is talking about to Timothy. Hey, you have a sincere faith. And when he's talking about that faith, what does he mean? It's not just that Timothy is, hey, man, I, I know it's in Scripture. I know it's in my Bible. Hey, I'm going to lead you guys. I'm going to give you guys the tools and resources that you need. Here's what you need to know. He's not just regurgitating information. What Timothy is doing, what Paul is saying Timothy has is, look, you are abiding, you are staying in, and you are pressing into God's character, into his nature, and you are taking that, you are gleaning from what the Holy Spirit is telling you, and then you are re-giving that out to the people that are around you. With sincerity, you're saying, hey, look, I've been into God's word, I've been diving in, and this is what he's teaching me, this is what he's showing me. Despite what may terribly be going on in my life, I know God is true. I know he is faithful. I know he will do everything for his glory and for my good. This is what he's teaching me. And Paul goes, hey, Timothy, I know that's you. I've seen it poured out in your life. See, the word sincere here means unhypocritical. Right? We all know, as soon as you hear the word hypocrite, you automatically have people that are popping into your brain, right? Automatically. We know what that word means, and it has a very strong connection to things. But what if you were that person to others? More importantly, what if you were the type of person like that in your relationship with God? What are, are you leaning more towards a Timothy in your sincerity of your faith, or are you leaning more towards the hypocritical? Man, I'll tell you right now, I'll be honest. I lean way too much away from Timothy more often than not. If we're being honest, that's really where most of us are, are we not? Because see, what adulting really means in our faith as it grows, as we grow as a Christian, is that adulting means sincerity. Sincerity is all about meaning what you say and doing what you say you will do. Do you think God sees you that way, as sincere? So as we continue through Paul's letter to Timothy, in the next few verses, we'll see Paul challenge Timothy towards something difficult. And as we, re as we read this, remember that adulting means doing hard things. So let's pick up in verse 6 of chapter 1. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And Paul uses some pretty strong words in there like power, love, self-control. And you really put these together and they're a pretty strong combination. See, the effective leader must have the power of the Holy Spirit. But that power must be expressed in a loving spirit. Or man, that, 
that power can do a lot of damage. It can wreck a lot of things really quick. And often, the deciding factor between success and failure is a matter of self-discipline. See, a Christ follower, as a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit gives Timothy confidence, not fear. Think about that. The Holy Spirit gives Timothy confidence, not fear. So why is confidence important for someone who is looking to lead others? See, confidence is a pretty important aspect of being an authority figure, especially as Timothy would be speaking on behalf of the Apostle Paul. Think about that. Think about that. Here's Timothy, right? Young dude standing in front of a church of a bunch of people that most of them are probably older than him, if not all of them. And he's going, hey, this, remember the guy that came through that set up the church and everything else that, that taught you all this stuff. I'm speaking on his behalf through him. This is what he's saying. Timothy also has to understand and know what the apostle Paul is talking about when it comes to the regards of God's word, does he not? Absolutely. So very easily, Timothy could stand there and go, man, I don't know if I'm really qualified to do that. I'm speaking for Paul. And the dude's an apostle, like, man, I, I don't know if I can really do it. Paul, you want me to stand here and start teaching these people? that, Like, I'm, I don't know if I'm really qualified for this. And Paul's going, look, bro, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. You have the Holy Spirit who is dwelling inside of you that gives you confidence and a sense of power for leadership and authority. Take that and use it for God's glory. Why are you standing in fear? You have everything that you need. Confidence is a pretty important aspect of being an authority figure. Timothy has shown he has a sincere faith in Christ. So Paul reminds him that the sincerity that he has results in confidence. You know God, you know he is you know he is constant. You know what he is able to do. You know what he will do. Why are you afraid? And you know the character and the nature of God. Press into that. Know that. Rely on that. Be sincere in the way that you know that your faith is. Confidence is not a fake boastfulness about yourself but having submitted your life to Christ and seeking to honor God constantly. I want you guys to understand something. You can't fake your way through adulting in life. You can't fake maturity. Timothy couldn't pretend to be a leader and make any sort of impact in his community. Do you catch the reason why his confidence had come from a place of sincere faith? If you look in verse 8, Paul tells us, Timothy, to join me in the suffering for the gospel. See, anybody who's actually trying to fake their maturity, who's trying to fake that, hey, look, man, I'm really pretty good at this. I got it all figured out. As soon as true suffering and persecution come, they're typically the first ones to run for the hills. Man, check it. I'm done. Woo! No! I don't want none of this. And what's Paul telling Timothy? Hey, man, 
we're going to suffer together because of what we're going to be doing. We're going to suffer. Suffer with me. And Timothy's going, all right, I got it. Let's lock arms. We're doing this thing. Let's go. This is why Paul reminds Timothy and us that our confidence is not based in our abilities or our talents. Our confidence is rooted in the relationship that we have with our Savior. As Paul says, we can face suffering as leaders by the power of God. Not by our own means. Not by our own gritting of our teeth and grabbing our bootstraps and, man, if I can just fight through it. Paul's going, man, it ain't have nothing to do with you. So what should Timothy do with all of this confidence? Remember, he has been sent to instruct an established church that is full of people who should already believe and behave just like Christ, that should be pursuing to reflect Christ. So what advice does Paul give Timothy and just the same as he gives to us? Jump down to verses 9 through 12. who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life in immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. See, it almost looks like Paul chooses to sidestep away from encouraging Timothy here on how to actually be a mature leader to others and instead starts talking about Jesus and the gospel. So why is Paul so intentional about focusing on Jesus here rather than giving him some more leadership tips? You can see Paul, right after telling Timothy to have confidence, he tells him that the result of recognizing this confidence is that he gets to live a holy life. This is a life that is set apart, a special life, but not just because of what he, Timothy, has done, but more importantly, because of his holy life is possible because of what Jesus has already done on the cross. This is the essence of true God-honoring adulting. Adulting means humility because it's not about you. It's not about you. And that's something that we so often have to hear on repeat. Because if we're not careful, we look at the gospel and man, it can so easily become about us. Look at what God did for me. Look at this. Look, it's, this was for me. This was for me. Look at what God did. Yes, yes, yes. He loved you so much that he 
died on a cross through the shedding of his blood, paid for your sins, past, present, and future by being buried in the grave, conquered death, hell, and sin, and Satan, rose again three days later, wiping the slate clean for anybody past, present, and future so that one day he can come back, take us with, us, with him to heaven so that way we can be in a right relationship with him and God for eternity. Amen that he did that for us. But the gospel is not about you. Because if it was about you, it would stay at you and go no farther. And if you look at it, that's actually pretty selfish. See, Paul reminded Timothy that for him to be a leader of others, especially in the church, he had to remain focused on worshiping, honoring, and obeying and serving God where serving God above others, and certainly above pleasing himself. See, this perspective shows that being mature in our faith is really all about seeing God as bigger and seeing ourselves in as small of a comparison as we possibly can. See, the language Paul uses to compel Timothy here should hit us like a ton of bricks. As it points out just how big and capable God is is in the face of the things that truly terrify us. Jesus has destroyed death and brought life and immortality. Think about that. Where death once stood and had victory, Christ came, died on the cross and conquered it and said, no more. No more does death have its day for those who follow me. No longer does sin separate you from me and my father because by being a follower of me, you will stand in front of my father as righteous as you will be claimed as pure because of the life that I have lived and sacrificed for you. No longer will you look at death and go, that is the end of where I will be, but yet you will be able to stand there and go, that is merely the genesis of where I get to stand now in front of God eternally and praise and worship him to the end of days. The very thing that used to bring fear to us now is merely something that is a thought of the past. It is because of how Jesus has proven himself to the world that Paul can say, I know whom I have believed. Paul trusts in Christ and recognizes the source of his confidence and it helps maintain the humility Paul needed as a man of mature and sincere faith. Do you have that same attitude as you consider suffering for Jesus? or find yourself bragging about your own accomplishments. Do you continue to point back to the cross and what Jesus did for you? Do you continue to press in to know God's character and nature so that way there is a sincerity to your faith that wasn't there the day before? Do you press in to know that character and nature of God so that also as you hear and listen to the Holy Spirit as he 
leads and guides you day in and day out. Because he is there leading and guiding whether you realize it or not. It's a matter of are you attuned to hearing his voice? Are you paying attention to the cues that he's laying there? Hey, look at this. Hey, what about this? Are you merely going, man, I'm so good. Look at what I've done. Yeah, I know I'm saved. I know some of those other different things. But man, isn't this cool? Look at what I can do. Paul finishes this paragraph with an encouragement for Timothy that I think applies perfectly to us. Look at verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. As Paul says, keep and guard the gospel in your life. Keep and guard the gospel in your life. Growing in spiritual maturity doesn't just happen. It takes activity and intentionality and a work on your part and the constant involvement of the Holy Spirit. General Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, said this, The tendency of a fire is to go out. Watch the fire on the altar of your heart. Anyone who has attended a fireplace fire knows that it needs to be stirred up occasionally in order for it to keep going. Think back to my friend's very awkward encounter as an immature freshman placed in leadership over upperclassmen the chances are that you will not have the opportunity like this in your lifetime. Or it may be something not exactly like this. But of course, at some point, you are going to find yourself in a situation that requires a level of spiritual maturity that very well may make you feel inadequate. Now that we have seen how Paul tried to prepare and encourage Timothy for just this type of challenge, I want to encourage you as if you were facing the very same thing. See, when you have an opportunity to talk about your faith with someone else, be honest about your story. Don't try to make yourself sound greater than what you actually were or are. Be sincere about who you are. When you have the chance to take a stand in front of others and represent Christ with your attitude or your action, stand strong in your convictions. Don't be forceful about your beliefs, but have confidence that you stand on the side of truth. When you have the chance to make yourself look good in any scenario, do everything you can to give credit not only to others, but more importantly, to Jesus Christ. Don't make a big deal about yourself because you know that the only person who is worthy of real praise earned it by defeating, destroying, and demolishing death and gave us the gift of eternal life through his very sacrifice on the cross. Live and lead with humility. Adulting means sincerity. It means sacrifice. It means confidence. It means humility. And that balance only comes with the help 
of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you humbled as we read the, the letters from Paul to Timothy. Lord, we thank you for Timothy's life. Lord, we thank you for Paul and his leadership to Timothy. Lord, that there are so many things here in these letters that we can take ourselves as we continue to grow in our maturity and our spiritual walk. Lord, that we would be sincere in our faith. But Lord, that we would have the confidence in our faith because we know who you are. Because of what you have done on the cross. And that we would have humility because we would understand that it was you and you alone. That we are the mere benefactors of your love and grace. And Lord, that we would expect that we would just shout that to everyone who would hear it. Thank you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The listening and conversation doesn't stop here. We want to hear from you on what you want to hear more of. Keep up with what's going on at Central Students by following us on Instagram and Facebook under Central Students WR. Until next time, God bless.